Roadman today, I'm gonna speak with Danny Morell. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this, how do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. I'm super excited about this episode. Today, I'm joined by Danny Morell. Uh, any of you who follow Danny on social media, he's huge. He's like 280 or 300,000 followers on social media. And this is a guy who's as authentic as they come. He spent the first half of his life and he built a real estate empire is all you could really call it. He was doing over 1.1 billion a year in sales. He had the car, he had the house, he had the watch. He was even on the Fortune 500 list. And then he realized that wasn't making him happy. So He's devoted himself and now he helps others to have the same awakening that he had. And he arrived at answering some of life's hard questions in a totally unique way. He started asking him the questions that we all ask ourselves at some point in our life. What's this all about? Is there more for me? Am I happy? But the way and the method he decided to answer them through, it's brilliant. I really enjoy this interview. Before I jump into the full episode with Danny, just a quick reminder, we've just launched the Girona training camp. That's going from the 17th to the 22nd of October in Girona, Spain. The link to sign up for that is down below in the bio. It's going to be an epic training camp. We even have what we're calling the Roadman Challenge. It's to get up the fabled Rocacoba climb in your age plus 10 minutes. It's going to be epic epic hard roadman i'm not going to push this off any further because this interview it's just it needs to be listened pause it listen to it go back listen to it again go back listen to it again share it with a friend it's gonna change lives roadman i give you danny morell how are you my friend i'm really good buddy really good i'm excited about this chat uh, I was listening to a podcast. I was out on a ride uh, two days ago and I was listening to an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast and he was interviewing this girl. I'm not sure if you've heard it yet. Yimini Park is her name and she escaped from North Korea. And it's a, it's a brilliant podcast, but why I thought it was super relevant to our conversation was she speaks about how food is weaponized in North Korea, how they use food to enslave the population because they keep them hungry and when they keep them hungry and they're always worried about where the next meal is coming from they can't think about political choices they can't think about spirituality they can't think about the meaning of life and then i started drawing parallels on our society in the west and thinking hunger isn't our method of enslavement but materialism and commercialism is people are kept so busy with working 50 hour jobs to pay for houses they don't need that big SUVs that they're never going to drive off-road and watches that they just don't know the difference between a you know a 20,000 euro watch and a 50,000 euro watch. I feel like the early part of your life looking into your backstory a little bit you maybe had that wrong focus or were enslaved by materialism is that fair to say? Yeah but you know what 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 it really is is um, you know when you go deep enough and you unravel everything, what it really is, is a disconnection with yourself. Um, because when you're disconnected with yourself, when you're disconnected with who you really are, then you're disconnected with your inner world. 
you're disconnected with your inner peace. And what starts to happen is you start to look for that outside of yourself. And, you know, sometimes it's materialism. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's entertainment, whatever the case may be. But we tend to look for validation, love, appreciation, respect from something outside of ourselves. And for me, it was materialism because I grew up very, very poor. So once I finally built my business and I, you know, um, uh, made some money, uh, I can remember the very first thing I wanted to do. Uh, I remember I think I got my first check, like a 7,000 bucks or something like that. I went to Hugo Boss. And I bought, <laughs> bought like five suits, Versace ties, like you name it, right? And it like, it didn't stop. And it was literally from when I was 19 years old till like my mid thirties, when I finally just said, like, I woke up and that's when I started my healing process. But I could definitely relate to that experience. I've heard other uh, speakers speaking to this, that they grew up very poor where meals were scarce. And so then they overate and overindulged. And I know when I started getting my first paychecks, we never ate out. You know, I, I think the Irish, I'm based in Dublin, Ireland, and I feel our culture is maybe 15, 20 years behind the US. It definitely was in the 90s. So we didn't have, you know, Starbucks, four-star pizza, Domino's pizza, all these. So when they arrived and I started getting a little bit of money in my pocket, I definitely overindulged in that stuff because I never had it growing up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what I did. And so, and it's interesting because, you know, my mother did her best. We, we were on welfare for, for, for quite some time, but like, you know, I don't remember not having food. Like we always had the basics, you know, what I didn't have was a, a true story. I can remember being in school and I can remember we were so poor that I had to stand in the line with the, uh, with like the food, like, you know, like the poor kids, to yeah. get free food, you know? And I remember that instead of choosing to stand in the line with the poor kids, what I decided to do was, I guess this was just natural, not only salesperson in me, but my natural desire to, to, to just not be like that, you know, uh, not that it was wrong. It's just what I didn't want in my life. And instead of standing in that line, um, I would go and I would ask everyone for five cents. Ever. Do you have a quarter? Do you have a quarter? Do you have five cents? Do you have it? This was my routine every single day for like three years of school. And it got me used to the answer. Uh, no, it got me used to rejection. It got me used to going out and talking to people. It was like the greatest gift I could have ever had because what ended up happening was I became resilient because I wanted to be able to buy myself the lunch that I wanted to buy. But it's interesting as well because it's it's how you view yourself. And I, you know, this is a common trend with athletes. I say you got to start viewing yourself as an athlete. We've all had that experience of a friend who's, you know, they try to quit smoking for like that fifty thousand time, and they try to quit, and you're like, oh, you're quitting, and they're like, yeah, I'm trying to quit, and their vocabulary is defeatist, and they're like, but you know what they say, like once a smoker, always a smoker, and you're like, you see yourself as a smoker, your behavior is going to default to that. Exactly. So you went on this journey and what was your business that you built initially where you made the good cash from it? So when I first started, it was just uh, the real estate sales business, just as, just as a real estate salesperson. And then um, in 2010, I think it was, yeah, 2010, 2009, I started my brokerage and, you know, basically I, I built it in a way to where I can go back and teach all of the real estate salespeople 
what I did to become successful in real estate sales. And the company took off. It did really well. And then we sold it uh, in November of last year. Yeah, I seen you guys were killing it. You were doing like 1.1 billion a year in sales at one point. Sales. Yeah. And and you know, and 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 to think that I started it with like two thousand bucks, you know. So it's resourceful, not resources. That's the key there. Yeah. There's a brilliant uh, Jim Carrey quote, and he has this uh, idea that everybody should be rich and famous at some point, as rich and famous as they ever dreamed. So they'd realize that just that isn't the answer. But so many of our listeners are on the road that you were on, but they never get to that destination you got to. So you got to the place where you could have any watch you want, any house you want, any car you want, and then you realized that it's not the answer. So I, I don't want to ask the question, what advice would you give those? Because I feel like that's quite trite and cliche. But if you could journey back to your younger self and whisper in that kid's ear, what would you tell him about the path? Find love. To find love. To find love within, you know, to, to love himself, to know that, that, um, that everything he ever wanted was inside of himself already, you know. And, uh, but sometimes to find love, you have to feel what unlove is, you know? And so that becomes a great gift. What what 20 year old Danny told you to get fucked? What's that? Would 20 year old Danny say get fucked? No, he would have listened. He would have listened. He was, he was always, he was very coachable and he always wanted to like find the truth and, and find the best way. It's just no one was there with that message, to be honest with you. You know, everybody was there with the message that the world gives you to give to people, you know. And so, if you know, it's interesting you say that, but if you think about it, like I'm, I'm a great proponent of, of plant medicine because plant medicine changed my life, changed my life. Ayahuasca changed my life. Uh, sitting with psilocybin mushrooms changed my life. Um, can you imagine what the world would be like if at 21 years old, it was a a graduation into self-discovery versus like alcohol. We, we push alcohol and we push alcohol to help us, you know, mitigate the, the internal emotions and the pain that we're all dealing with. You know, it'd be a different world. I'm obsessed with storytelling and a story arc and story structures and any good quest. You see, you think Lord of the Rings, the hero, Frodo, he needs to leave the Shire and he needs to go on this sort of intrepid adventure. Was there a moment like that where you're like, I need to go on a quest. This story needs a quest. It needs me to leave the place I'm currently in, this brokerage job, real estate, and I need to go and find Danny 2.0. That's, you know, it's a good question. There wasn't a moment where I said I need to. There was a moment where it all just kind of started happening, to be honest. You know, my, my mom passed away. And when my mom passed away, I just started to ask questions that I had never asked before. Quite frankly, that I was always afraid to ask because I, I, I didn't want the answer. I, I didn't want the answer. You know, and when you start asking profound questions about some things that, you know, maybe you believe or you were told to believe or whatever the case may be, then all of a sudden it's like, you know, the right answers start showing up. So when you ask the right questions, you get the right answers. That's what happened to me. And, um, and, so, and so, no, it wasn't like there was a moment where I'd said, you know, this is what I'm going to do. It just kind of naturally happened because of the pain that I was in at the time, you know? Um, and was, was your really, mom passing, was, was your mom passing a catalyst for you starting to ask these questions or was it a life stage? It, it was, yeah, it was, it was the catalyst. It was the moment. It was, it was the thing that, that kind of woke me up. Yeah. And what questions did you start asking? Oh boy. 
you know, I started asking questions about God. I started asking questions about, you know, what I was doing. I started asking questions about, you know, my happiness, my, my happiness and my marriage at the time. I started asking questions about my relationship. I started asking questions about, you know, uh, money and why do I want it? I mean, I started asking questions, all, all kinds of questions, you know, and, um, and answers started showing up that I had to deal with, you know, I'll give you an example. So, you know, at the time I had been married for 10 years, 11 years, something like that. And always, and, and if you follow me, I'm very public on, you know, my divorce and that we're, we're really happy together. We're like best friends, brother and sister now, but always, and I mean, always throughout my marriage, I always knew I didn't want to be in that marriage. I always knew inside of me, there was a voice that said like, man, one more year. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess, you know, I guess I just, this is it. This is the way it is forever type of deal. You know, cause I was so conditioned to think the way that the world wants you to think. I didn't know I had free choice as crazy as that sounds. I thought, well, you know, until uh, that do us part and you stay here no matter what. And when you get out of this thing, you're a bad person and whatever the case may be like, and for those of you that are married, like stay, of course, if you're happily married, if, if you're happy, you know, but, but I never was never ever. And so, um, and so that's a question I had to ask myself. If you're not happy, then what is this all about? Then, then, then why are you doing this type of deal? You know, and it changed my life. So many of our decisions I feel are motivated by status. It's like, you don't want to lose status in the eyes of your peers. And even positive decisions can be motivated like that. Like if I'm looking to buy, you know, say I want to buy a sports car at the moment, I'm not buying a sports car, but if I did want to buy a new Porsche, I'd go around to my mom and I'd say, I'm buying a new Porsche. And she'd look at me and go, you're buying a new Porsche? You're a complete dickhead. Why are you buying a Porsche? My status would go down. So now right. I have to try and convince her, oh, it's great miles per gallon. Right, right, right. <laughs> to try and get the status back up. But yeah. it's interesting you say that. So take me back to the plant medicine because it's something I'm curious about but have never experimented with. How did that start? Yeah, so it started. So true story, I had heard about ayahuasca in particular 10 years prior to me to me doing it. And at the time, because of my religious beliefs, I just thought, no, that's, that's, that's the devil. It's the worst thing you can do. No way. I'm not touching it. It's a drug, you know, whatever the case may be. And then here I am, I had, I had separated from my wife. I was living in this little, you know, one bedroom apartment after leaving my big, beautiful custom house that I had just built. And I was at the lowest of the low in my life, you know, the lowest of the low. And, um, and uh, I had made a decision, a very tough decision, because being there in that apartment all alone, I didn't like being alone. And so I wanted to turn to alcohol. I wanted to turn to women, which we as men, we do that. We, we turn to and we, and we use women's bodies to, to help fulfill whatever's going on inside, you know, anything to avoid being alone. And so that was the first step in my transformation was learning to be by myself. And being okay with that, you know, being, and being good with that. Well, New Year's came along and I, I, I know a friend and he's another influencer. Well, I, I, pardon me, I hate that word. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a guy that, you know, he, he's on social media, he does well, so forth and so on. So I, I respect the guy, you know. And I saw him with the biggest smile on his face that I had ever seen. And my mind thought, I know him. He doesn't smile like this. There's, there's something different here, right? 
Like, this is a different kind of smile. So anyway, so I hit him up and I ask him, and I, oh, or we end up talking and I go, hey, by the way, a month ago, I saw you in New Year's. Dude, you were smiling from, from ear to ear. What, what, was it, what was that all about? You know, he's like, dude, I was at an ayahuasca retreat. And the minute he said that, the words in my head were, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Sign me up. I didn't know what this cost. I literally, I remember thinking, I was like, well, if he went, it's probably expensive. Okay, no problem. It's probably like 30,000 bucks or whatever. All right, no problem. It's worth it. It's going to find me my happiness. I'll sign a check, 30,000 bucks, whatever. And then that'd be like three grand, four grand. I was like, I'll sign up for five of these right now. (laughs) And so sure enough, sure enough, I went to my first one and it, it changed my life forever, man. Changed my life forever because I realized how much control I wanted to have over every outcome. And she is just the most beautiful medicine. She, um, she really helps you to tap into your heart and helps you to heal your soul. And um, now I'm honored to say I, I lead them. So I lead these retreats. I do three or four of them a year and we take groups of 30 to 40. It's, it's pretty beautiful. It's pretty awesome. Man, I'm there. I'm there for the next one. Yeah, yeah, uh, as long as I don't need that fat thirty thousand dollar check, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you. You sort of preempted it. Was you were started asking these difficult questions around your mom's passing? But the vehicle to get those answers, you know, we see all sorts of vehicles, and I'll speak to my own ones. I use sensory deprivation tank, float tank, occasionally a journal, and I just try and sit in the quiet. And for me, and especially a lot of our listeners the bike is very meditative for us. We head off for five, six, seven hours on our own into the mountains, just unplugged and disconnected kind of man and machine. Can I say something about that real fast? Yeah. It's so interesting to bring that because when I moved here to Austin, I bought a bike. I, I bought it. It's my first one ever. I bought a specialized, uh, what is this thing? A Converge or it's like the road slash. Uh, diverge. Diverge. Yeah. yeah. Nice bike. It's- it's sick. I love it. It's sitting there. And it's like, and it's so true that you say that it's like every time I get on it, not only does it good, do good for my body, but for my soul, it's like, it's just me and the bike and I'm just going and it's it just, it's freaking awesome, man. So you, you feel yeah. like a kid again. You really do. You yeah. really do. Yeah. There's, there's not many things. I feel like skateboarding and bike riding, but skateboarding, you need a level of skill. And you know, if you're a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could end bad on the skateboard. It really could. But so was the ayahuasca, was that one of those vehicles for finding the answers? Like I would use a diary or a bike or a float tank. Well, look, and I, you know, for, for, you know, I, I would say, forgive me for this, but no, this is just who I am. I naturally am. Uh, when I find something that's incredible, I want to bring the planet to it. You know, it, picture this picture. I, I, ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. To answer your question. (laughs) But it's like, it's like doing all of that times 1 million because you, yeah. Yeah. So I can see because you're a super articulate guy and your (laughs) repetition, it kind of gives me the sense that it's difficult to verbalize this experience. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful thing you could ever. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Across your social media, you have this a, a great strand that I, I like. You see some people and they're super high achievers in one aspect of their life, but the rest are completely crumbling. And I, I always looked at these people and, you know, I'd see a business person who's built this huge business, you know, maybe into the billions, but like his body, like, you know, 
but he's yeah. out of shape. He's not happy, you know, substance abuse, whatever family issues. And I'm like, that's not for me, the role modeler. That's not the template. But when I look around and I look at you, I kind of have these five areas that I like to work on. And, you know, in no particular order, like fitness and health, like family and social, spirituality, finance. And then I have a, another book that I just call progression. You know, I like to be learning, whether it's languages, whether it's books, whether it's reading, you know. I love that. Fuck TV. It's just, yeah. but those five sort of baskets are kind of my areas. I like to move the needle on every day. Do you have something, a similar type framework? You know, I'll tell you a story. I, I remember once going to a seminar and the guy on the stage was on the seminar and, and he was giving the seminar and he was talking about abundance and he had just been through his fourth divorce and he was overweight. And I remember in a non-judgmental way, I wasn't judging the guy. I was still a young man, but I remember very early on in my life thinking that can't be what abundance is. Abundance is having it all, you know, abundance is having it all. And so I just remember at a very young age thinking like, I want to have it all. And yes, when I was younger, it was from ego, which is why you can never have it all when you come from ego. You could, you could only have it all when you come from love, when you come from the power of your heart, because when you heal what's inside, then everything outside just kind of flows, you know? And, and if I'm honest with you, and, and this is the one thing that ayahuasca did show me is that it's, it became less of a mental thing for me and more of a energy thing for me, you know, to where it's just, it's just an extension of who I am. Like when I love myself, I'm going to take care of my body and I'm going to eat well. When I love myself, I'm going to love other people. So my relationships with other people are going to be better. When I love myself, um, I'm, I'm going to love my freedom. So I'm going to want to make at least some decent money so I could be free, you know? So, um, so it just kind of all flows from love for me, really. And how much does finding your true purpose slot into that? Because I see people like, if we take one of those five areas as finance, most people are, when you factor in commute, they're like 50 plus hours a week. And when you dice up how many hours a week we have available to do everything, you know, I don't know the maths on, but 50 is a disproportionate chunk if you have five areas in your life you're trying to prioritize. But when you have your own purpose, like it seems like you found your purpose of serving others. And when you have that clear defined purpose, the other areas almost seem to magnetize or flow towards you. Just, yeah, just it all attracts, man. You know, we as human beings, we all truly are um, a magnet. We're an energetic magnet. And, you know, the only thing that keeps that magnet from vibrating and attracting at the highest level is fear. It's, it's anger. It's, it's, it's pride. It's, it's worry. It's, it's doubt. And, you know, I will say this, what the medicine does help you do is it helps you to slowly remove all of the barriers that surround your heart, surround your mind, so that the magnet that is you can shine. And then it all just starts, kind of starts to flow. And um, don't get me wrong, it's deep work, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, a little uncomfortable to say the least. But um, at least for me, it's been, it's been very, very rewarding, very rewarding. So to make it tangible for somebody listening right now that's sure. you know stuck in a job that they don't love and yeah. they're just not loving their body, they're a few pounds overweight and they feel like they've no time to do anything. And they're mm-hmm. hearing, you know, you, you know, not that you're you know in a bragging way, but you're listening to somebody who mm-hmm. has, 
you know, has seems to have figured this puzzle out and they're looking at it going, I'm so fucking lost. What's like a tangible first step for these guys? Yeah, you know, and I don't know any other way other than to get deep because this is deep stuff. It, yeah. it really is deep stuff. But, you know, step number one is to understand that you created it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and that's that's very difficult for some people. It's very difficult for some people, but we're either a the creator or 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 a victim. And the and the and the thing is 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 what's promulgated out there in the world is is victimization. You know, case in point, there's there was this thing going on a couple months ago where everyone was mad at Amazon um, because Amazon is rich and Amazon makes all this money. And, you know, so forth and so on. And then what the TV and politicians do is they go out and they try to make you be mad at Amazon because Amazon has all this money and you don't have all this money and Amazon has it all figured out and you don't have it all figured out. And Amazon doesn't pay taxes and you pay taxes. That's called separation. And what it's really doing and what they're really trying to get you to do is to separate you from your highest potential. Because what is Amazon? Amazon is simply an example of a company that you think of it as a person that gets things done, that does them on time, that doesn't take no for an answer, that doesn't see limitations, that only sees opportunities and goes out there and makes it happen. And we all as individuals, we have that same power within us. As a matter of fact, when we're pushed up against the wall, we find a way to fight back. We find a way to make it happen. So I would say the first thing that somebody needs to do if they want to start to change their life is understand that their life is a result of their creation. They're not a victim. Nothing is happening to them. They are actually attracting everything that they deeply feel about themselves. That's step number one. So are you getting them to dig in and unpack their habits that led to that creation? Oh, not yet, because it's not about habits. It's about being. You see, habits is doing. Right? What do I have to do? What's the discipline that I have to do? Whatever the case may be, right? Being is who are you? Who are you? Who, who do you really believe you are, right? Because when you really believe that you're it, that you're the one, everything outside of that will stem in your outer life from that decision. See, if I believe that I'm it and I'm the one, that I believe that I deserve to make great money because I want to be free. If I believe that I'm it and I'm the one, I deserve then to find and attract my soulmate because I want to be in love and I want to make love and I want to be love. Because anything other than that, the one doesn't have. The one has it all. If I believe that I'm it and I'm the one, well, I want to live in a healthy physical body. So it changes the food that I order in the restaurant. It changes the groceries that I, that I go out and buy. It changes where I shop. It changes everything. It's the big domino. It, it really is. And it starts with that decision, right? I'm it. I'm the one. And then from there, you go and you take responsibility. And so if you're in a job, for example, that you're not happy with, just write it down. I don't want this job. Here's my dream job. My dream job has A, has B, Step C, step D. 
And guess what? And you stick it in a folder somewhere. And once a day you read it and you feel and you meditate what it would feel like to be in that dream job. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I guarantee it, guaranteed. As long as you're not attached to when it happens, it will happen. That's how powerful you are. Danny, this is fascinating stuff. And I know a man of your stature is super busy as well. So before I finish up the conversation, I just want to see how does someone continue this conversation with you? How do they attend one of your camps, follow you on social media, you know, book into one of your courses? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, Instagram is, is a great place where, um, where I do a lot of my communicating with people. Uh, DannyMorell.com has all of our events coming up. We've got one coming up November 11th in San Diego, but you can, you can catch it online for 97 bucks. Uh, and, and next year, we're really going to start coming out with a series of events um, really geared towards and catered towards helping people to connect to and discover themselves. So, yeah. Danny, that was pure fire, my friends. Thanks for chatting. Thank you, my friend. Okay, stop what you're doing. It's Anthony again. I want to talk to you for one second about the next step in the Roadman journey. I'm laying down a challenge for you. It's called the eight week challenge. So for eight weeks, I'm challenging you to be the very best version of yourself, whatever that is. For eight weeks, I want to take you under my wing and I want to personally build for you a customized training plan on our analytics platform. This plan is going to be laser focused on your goal and I'm going to navigate around your life, your work, your social commitments, so don't worry about what your circumstances are right now. I remember after I took some time out of cycling, I went off and thought I was Billy Big Businessman. I came back and I realized I wanted to get into cycling, but I knew after a bit, the training alone, it actually wasn't making me any fitter. I needed an entire system. It needed a 360 overhaul. So for the first time ever, I want to share with you this exact system I used to get back in shape. I'm talking stuff like I'm going to give you my morning routines, the cold therapy I use, the cookbooks and recipes I used, and even the motivational audios I listen to to get back on track. So right now, what I want you to do is pause this audio, go to www.roadmancycling.com forward slash eight week, or check out the link in the bio, click that. So one more time, it's roadmancycling.com forward slash eight week. Chat to you all soon.